Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Keller Williams El Paso Realtor, Danny Cedillo. Danny is a new home specialist and a certified military relocation professional, being named the exclusive realtor for the German Air Force in Fort Bliss, Texas. Danny has been in business since 2005, has ranked in the top 20 agents in El Paso since 2012, and started her own team in 2015. Originally from Germany, she met her husband while she was stationed in the military and after a 2005 relocation to the States and multiple moves within the States afterwards, she has settled in El Paso with him and their three dogs. Danny speaks several languages, loves horseback riding, and traveling the world. She's even performed in ballroom dancing tournaments and national championship competitions. Now, let's welcome Danny to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. So, Danny, thank you very much for being on Real Estate Coaching Radio and being my co-host today. I sincerely appreciate especially uh, it's nice to have a fellow Texan on the radio. So welcome to today's show. Thank you, Tim. I'm, I'm happy to be here. And, and hopefully my wife isn't listening live today because she's always wanted to take ballroom dancing <laughs> lessons. <laughs> and uh, you might motivate her to try to talk me into it again. So hopefully she doesn't listen to today's show. Otherwise, I have a feeling I'll be taking <laughs> classes. Uh, so so you, you are, like me, a transplant. Uh, of course, you're a transplant from Germany. I'm a transplant from Ohio to Texas. Um, yeah. And uh, it's interesting that you specialize in – so your your primary focus, like a lot of our coaching clients, is are on uh, military folks, right? So you work a lot in yeah. military base – so, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I know you and I are working off a list of questions, but the military bases are really their own, like, microcosm, their own little world in terms of the housing markets. Could you give our listeners just a snapshot of what's going on in, in the particular military base that you focus on? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Um, Fort Bliss has expanded triple the size within the last 10 years and is now the largest military installation in the United States. So quite naturally, a lot of uh, folks have uh, to come to El Paso and leave El Paso. Um, The rotation is about three years. So every three years, the family has to pack up and move. And uh, the new location, um, the new area, it's always uncertain. So it's, um, you know, being there and done that, I always appreciated the helping hand. And uh, I'm sure they appreciate it as well that somebody has walked in their shoes before. So that's interesting what you just said. So someone relocates to, um, you know, El Paso, Texas, and they're in the military and they're in Fort Bliss. They are, generally speaking, only going to be there for 36 months. That's what you said? Yeah, pretty much. That's the natural rotation. I mean, you do have exceptions where where people are stationed for five years, but uh, the, the regular rotation is indeed three years only. Okay, so tell me about the, um, like, for example, the housing market itself. 
in a lot of the military markets around the country, we are hearing that, well, it depends on where it is, but we're hearing for the most part mm -hmm. that those markets really are kind of hard. You know, it's more of a buyer's market than a seller's market. Is that the case with your, your base? Yes, it still is. El Paso has been very blessed the last year. We, last years, we never really got hit as bad as the rest of the economy when the housing bubble busted. But we are uh, overall, we are a buyer's market with an inventory um, above six, seven months. Um, within El Paso, we have a few neighborhoods where it luckily has turned around into stable, um, even to a to a little seller's market here and there. Okay, so I want our listeners to hear what she just said. It's really important. So in her market, and by the way, guys, this would be what I would call more of a normal market, a historically normal market if you go back like, you know, 50 years. Her inventory, the inventory of homes for sale is six to seven months. That's what you said, Danny, correct? Yes, that's correct. Right. You know, that's kind of interesting. So you list this is exactly like the market Julie and I sold in, by the way. You know, when we sold real estate, the, it was four months, right? So you listed the house. You, ha, you were having a long-term relationship with these sellers, whereas uh, in, most market, in most markets, Danny, I'm sure you're aware, uh, a lot of these agents, they'll list houses, and they'll be sold in less than, you know, a week, less than a month, you know, on the outside. And they, they don't have the skill set to keep those sellers happy for a long period of time. So with you taking a listing and knowing that you're probably going to have that relationship, you know, where you're actively going to be servicing that seller for 180 days, how do you mm -hmm. set the expectations from the onset that, you know, that's they, you know, how do you set realistic expectations that it's going to take on average 180 days? How do you really make it so the sellers after say month 1 don't decide to show up in your front yard with a, you know, <laughs> a pitchfork asking why their house mm -hmm. hasn't sold? That's a good question, Tim. I think it starts off with when you're going into the listing appointment and second, setting those expectations right away. I'm, I'm really very honest when I go in. I have my market analysis, and we will have a very serious conversation about this is how your neighborhood looks like, this is how the market in El Paso is, this is what you can expect. And, and truly, we also talk about a seller's net up front. Um, I need to know what I'm getting myself into because it's my job to protect my client, and I need to set the expectation with my client. They need to know if they're, for example, if they're military and they haven't lived in their house for two, two and a half years, they need to be prepared at closing to write a check for ten or twelve thousand dollars. And if they can't, if they really don't have the money, we need to switch gears right away and 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 really look at okay, then does it make sense to rent the home? Um, I, I mean, for just for them, it, it's always the biggest investment they do, and it certainly uh, can be a financial burden um, if nobody prepares you for the worst and, and you don't have the time to prepare. Right, and that conversation is not an easy conversation to have, and that's the reason I think most right. agents. Well, it's one of the. It's probably one of the top five reasons why most agents avoid becoming listing agents because they don't. They're fearful of having the conversations that makes the seller uncomfortable. And again, yeah. having been in that position uh, myself hundreds of times, it's not fun. I mean, telling somebody that they're going to have to bring a check to closing, all the while they're looking at your net sheet and seeing that you're going to be making, you know, commission, and part of the check that they're bringing to closing is your commission, that's, yeah. you know, that's not comfortable, you know. But, but the reality of it is, is you have to perform the service and you have to be paid to perform it. Um, and, yeah, that sometimes is going to result in them losing money, and that is what it is. So, 
again, I'm thinking of all of our listeners out there who have never had to be in this situation before. When Julie and I say that the agents from markets like where Danny sells or the agents from, like, you know, really probably 75% of the country are some of the best agents in the country, this is why. Because to be successful in Danny's market, she's had to learn how to have the conversations that most agents who have, you know, been in hot sellers' markets all their, all their careers would literally have no way of having. They have no – they don't have that skill set. I would strongly caution all of you, and no matter what your market's like, to start, you know, frankly, being active, actively pursuing the skill set that Danny's clearly mastered in anticipation that maybe, as she said, in her market, there's pockets of hot sellers' markets, but a majority of it's a buyer's market. I would suggest that some of you need to polish off your skills or develop the skills necessary to deal with sellers that, you know, essentially are in the same situation as a lot of the ones that she deals with every day. So you said that you will sometimes have conversations with sellers where it makes sense for them to rent their houses. Um, so do yes. you do property management as well? I do not. I've partnered up with a wonderful agent that is specialized in property management. So I will take the listing, I will find the tenant, and then I will turn it over because you've got to be an expert in what you're doing, in my opinion. And I'm not the expert in property management. I'm an expert in buying and selling real estate. And uh, I know the minute I step out, I have a partner that they can trust 100%. So um, how many listings do you generally carry? What's your typical listing inventory? Um, if I combine the resale and the new homes, um, my average is about 60 to 70 listings. Okay, 60 to 70 listings at all times. And how many houses yes. did you uh, sell last year? I sold around 100 homes myself. Okay, and you say myself. Does that mean that you have a team that you work with? Yes, as of last year, I have a team. I have three wonderful agents that are helping me and a great assistant. All right, so by yourself you sold 100, so if you were to add in the volume mm -hmm. from your team, what, how many houses did you guys sell last year? Um, probably 150. Okay, so um, in your marketplace, the, uh, when you have 60 to 70 listings, how mm -hmm. many houses on average of the 60 to 70 will you have sell per month? Like, is it 10%, 5%, 20 percent? Um, the, the average is about... Ten, yeah, a solid ten homes a month go under contract. Okay, so listeners, I want you guys. You now, like, this is a, a special message for coaching clients, and Danny knows what I'm talking about. Um, the magic number—it's on Real Estate Coaching Essentials. It's part of your—it's part of the coaching program. Danny's magic number to sell 120 listings per year is to have in her market 60 to 70 listings at all times. Now, some of you, again, I know a majority of you are going to think that's an enormous number to have, but the reality of it is, is in most parts of the country, that is how it worked out. By the way, that's how it almost worked out exactly like for Julie and I, too. We had to have the same number of listings to get the same result as well. You know, that's called work. That's called a normal market. Um, so... Learn what your magic number is. Ask your coach to help you figure that out. Figure out, like in some markets, you may only need 10 listings at all times and have, you know, five of them sell per month. In her market, it's, you know, 60 to 70 to have 10, to have that same volume of, uh, you know, 10 closed units. But she knows that, you know, if they're assuming that she has her inventory at 60 to 70, that she can pretty much count on 10 of her listings selling per month. So when you have that much inventory, when you have that many homes for sale, and you have really that long of a days on the market, how do you, when you're talking with the seller, 
how do you, I mean, price is a big part of it, but how else do you position mm-hmm. the house so that it sells? I mean, how, what's your, like, what are the things that maybe you do uh, that your competition might not? Um, I think I'm not afraid to spend money on marketing, um, which is big here in El Paso. Um, I'm not afraid to hire, even on my, my little homes, a professional photographer. I'm not afraid to pay um, pay per click. I'm not afraid to um, pay Facebook ads. I'm not afraid to pay for newspaper ads. And, and I'm not a Monday to Friday 8 to 5 girl. So you can call me or one of my team members or my assistant pretty much seven days a week. Um, I usually stop answering my phone calls at 10 o'clock at night, and the same applies to emails. I think it's important with the way the society has changed and the way social media has taken over that you are available on demand. That's true. So let's talk about marketing. So you said you you do a variety of things. Uh, so when you're mm-hmm. speaking to a seller and you're and you're obviously presenting your marketing plan, the marketing plan, do you, how do you go about? Um, it, do you show the seller that this is what I do and these are the results that I get? Like how do you how do you uh, substantiate to the seller that your pay per click and the other things that are, you're you're doing actually get results that will benefit them? Or do they go that? And is that a conversation that typically happens? Uh, yeah, we always have that conversation. I mean, you know, honestly, they're buying into your services and they, they, they're trusting you to know what you're doing. So for me, it's all about setting expectations and for them to have the full disclosure how i going to move this house. So my listing presentation has several marketing plans because one marketing plan clearly, and, and you've been there, Tim, one marketing plan does not fit all homes. You have to tailor them uh, depending on the size of the home, the price of the home, the area. Um, depending on the time frame you have, especially with the military, you might only have three months to sell the home before they run out of money to make that mortgage payment. Um, so we really tailor it to what what they need to get that house moved. What percent, that's a great answer, by the way, what percent of your sellers um, are underwater on their mortgages? The minority. I'm, I'm very happy to say that. I say one out of ten that's wonderful. is underwater. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, in the military, uh, this is something I'm sure you're an expert at, if folks have a uh, deficiency or if they have a default or if they have any, I mean, really anything that adversely affects their credit, it can also adversely affect their security rating. And depending on what they do in the military, they actually can lose their jobs or they can get demoted or they can, you know, they won't get promoted or all these other types of things. Are those, you, how knowledgeable, like when, that very conversation, how often does that come up when you're talking to your sellers? Um, the good thing is since not a lot of them are underwater, it doesn't come up that often. Um, however, um, my husband retired, as you mentioned previously, after 26 years in the military. Um, so I you know, I have that background, and uh, if I'm missing a piece of the puzzle, um, I, you know, I know who I can go to and ask those questions, and then we will have an honest conversation what we can do or how we can change things that uh, they don't, you know, are underwater, that they're not losing out on their security clearance, which is big. Yeah, it's huge. It's, so when you're, list- mm-hmm. you're meeting with the seller today, let's say, let's say it's a nice listing, you know you can sell it, it's, you know, going to desirable neighborhood, no power lines, no busy roads, you know, nothing really at first. But there's also, you know, <laughs> isn't it funny when you think about all the problems that people don't necessarily think about? No. Yeah. So, you, but, but, 
But it turns out when you're doing your CMA, you're competing mm-hmm. with, you know, realistically in that neighborhood and maybe the three other competing neighborhoods, you're you're literally competing with 35 other houses that are very yeah. similar, same bath, same square footage, same year build, same, you know, whatever, whatever. It's all about the same. How do you, mm-hmm. and this seller's got to sell in 90 days, can you walk us through, let's just pretend you're on a listing appointment, give these guys, give our mm-hmm. listeners, you know, your, you know what I'm getting to, right? How do you get the seller mm-hmm. to position their house in the market price-wise, despite the fact that, you know, they aren't real, you know, sellers always think their houses are worth more. I suppose if I put mine for sale, I'd have unrealistic expectations <laughs> as well, <laughs> right? We all do. So how do, you, how do you get them to actually position it correctly in the market so that it'll sell in a competitive market like that? Well, the one thing is we start off with a phone interview. Um, I, I want to have an idea what I'm walking into. And depending on uh, the feedback I'm getting from the seller at the very first conversation, I'm already prepared to show them you know, how the competition really looks like. Um, when we do a market analysis, obviously I cannot put an active home and, um, as, a, as a good comparable. However, it's the perfect comparable for them to realize, look, this is what you are competing against. So your home has to be in, in showing conditions and unless you're willing to, to make huge upgrades to your home, we need to work with what we have. So the, the, the dollar amount that that seller has in mind might not be what I can get him. And that's one of the number one things that, I, that I'm doing. I ask him, tell me what your magic number is, because every, every homeowner has a magic number, what they want for their home or what the uncle, sister's, cousin's, neighbor's house sold two years ago. Um, and they are comparing their home. Um, isn't it true? When I'm listening to you talk, uh, and I'm sorry mm-hmm. if, if, for interrupting you, but literally mm-hmm. I feel like I'm selling real estate again. And it's been, it's been a decade. <laughs> I, I, I have been in so many situations just like what you're describing where they say, well, my sister two years ago sold her uh-huh. home. You know, or, I, or I finished my basement. And you go down there and like the ceiling's six feet tall and they think it adds 50000 to the house. You know. Anyway, sorry. You, you're, you just threw me in a time machine. I'm back. <laughs> sorry. No, you're, you're good. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, it, I really have to get to the bottom of it because um, I, if I don't know what I'm up against, there's no way I can educate the seller and, and get him in the boat. We have to be a team. We can't be enemies. Um, so uh, w- once I know what their number is and I'll show him, you know, what he is competing against and I show him what – uh, what the homes have sold for in the last six months, um, they really and, and we really we're having a very honest, straightforward conversation. There is no hiding behind the bush. Um, then we will walk through the home and see what can be done. And some of them might realize they need help with staging, or they they had always planned on making some upgrades in the home, and they just thought they can save the dollar. And they will go ahead and, and, you know, paint those pink walls and, and, uh, and take out the Formica countertop and get the granite that they always wanted just to be able to compete. And we will also talk about, and that's another thing, it might just be the tiny little thing that sets you apart, showing instructions. How willing are you to work with me on getting a buyer's agent with the qualified buyer in the door? Do I have to make an appointment two weeks in advance? Do we only do showings Monday to Wednesday from 10 to 2 and 4 to 5 and Friday by appointment? Or can we do, you know, one or two hour advance notice? That's all I need. The house is always clean. And the little things really can make a huge difference. 
Well, you said a whole bunch there, and I'm really going to drill down on the first thing you said. And here's basically an overview of a script, listeners. So, Mr. Seller, it comes down to really three things, pricing, addition, and location. And then you ask the seller questions. Mr. Seller, mm-hmm. we, can't, we can't move the house, right? I mean, the house is sitting where it's sitting. It's facing the direction it's facing, and you know, so the location isn't going to change. And so, Mr. Seller, let's talk about condition. Are you planning on making any major changes? Are you going to be adding you know, a ground countertops maybe, or are you going to be adding a bedroom? Are you going to be, you know, adding a second or third floor? Are you doing any of those things? No. Okay, so the condition is what the condition is. Remember, guys, this is just an overview. The script is actually much more elegant than this, but, you know, just getting your brains to work, hopefully. So the only thing that's left, Mr. Seller, that we can have a positive effect on is how it's positioned on the market. And then you get into the CMA, and then you talk about the price. Um, and also, listeners, be very careful in this market, in any market really, but in this market in particular, sometimes the sellers are going to have way unrealistic expectations, especially in markets like Danny's, because they read the paper, because they're hearing that the housing market is crazy and everybody's making, you know, it's like a, you know, <laughs> winning a lottery ticket because they bought a house. And sometimes these sellers, in, in her market, if they, maybe they came from a hot market, and they are now in a, you know, kind of a normal market, they're not necessarily going to have, uh, they're going to have to have a re-education about what it really takes to sell a house in a, in a normal market like this. So, you know, guys, it does come down to scripting. It does count, and, and I hope listeners are paying attention to how she talks. Danny is the very definition of a velvet hammer. She says things very nicely, very quietly. Now, I don't know if that's a learned skill. I bet it's just something she does normally. But you guys notice how she's talking slowly. She's choosing her words deliberately. She's enunciating things very clearly. And what that's forcing, what happens in a conversation when you're talking with someone like Danny is she is automatically in control because you have to slow down and listen to her because she's not going to talk very loud. That is a powerful, powerful way to speak when you're especially delivering bad news. So you guys, when you're dealing with sellers that are in a lot of the situations that her sellers are, keep that in mind. <laughs> so, Danny, when you have a seller that is, that is a blockhead about price, they're just, for whatever reason, their ego is wrapped up and wanting to be right. They're not even orbiting the same planet as you, you know. They think Fort Bliss is literally, you know, the name of the town, you know, that's and everything should be blissful, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So and, and they don't and they don't want to deal with the reality of the CMA. Do you turn sellers down for pricing or will you take something overpriced and set the expectation that it's going to be repositioned? Listeners, don't say lower the price, it's repositioned in the market to correctly reflect the buyer's expectations. Remember that. So do you set the expectation that it'll be repositioned sometime in the future? How do you do it? It really depends on, on who I'm dealing with. Um, I've had situations mm. where, where I got up and, and, and left, and, and I told the seller, I, I don't think I'm the right agent for you. Um, I've had sellers that um, we came to an agreement as far as, all right, I'll, I'll do it your way for 30 days, and if it doesn't work your way, we'll do it my way since I'm the expert in real estate. And it's clearly defined in that particular case in the listing agreement in special provisions. In, in 30 days, there will be an automatic price reduction no matter what. I will give you a courtesy call to let you know it's happening, but it will happen. Um, and again, if you have somebody that is uh, clearly not in your team and working with you, there is no point in taking a listing just to have my sign in the front yard. Um, there's no way that if, if we're not a team that I can sell this home. Um, and, and even worse, and it might sound selfish, 
I'm spending top dollar from day one. It's not a, you know, seven step try to get your house sold. It's a, I go in full force and and I'm I'm spending the dollar, um, and and it has to be worth. In this business, you know, we have to pay upfront to get paid. So you need a you need to know. Same applies for marketing dollar that you spend your money wisely and track it. So you. So we're going to talk about marketing. Uh, we're going to talk about lead generation in a second. Mm-hmm. But I want to go back. Again, listeners, she said some really important things. The first thing, again, she said it depends on the seller's situation. So I asked her the question, would she take something knowing that it was overpriced? And she said it depends on the seller's situation. I'm going to translate that, and Danny, tell me if I'm wrong, to mean mm-hmm. if the seller is motivated, but they have to exercise their own personal pricing demons uh, you will mm-hmm. you will take the listing and you'll write into the contract that it will be reduced to this number at this particular date if they absolutely positively have to be right about price just to pro- just to test it is that what I'm hearing you say if they have motivation if they have motivation and if they are willing to work with me yes that's right okay and the second thing I heard her say and this is important listeners write this down uh, she said basically I do a price adjustment after 30 days I will suggest that in a market that's has as much inventory as hers does, that has the days on the market that hers does, uh, maybe after two weeks or ten showings. So, Mr. Seller, according to the National Association of Realtors, after two weeks or ten showings, if you don't have a written verifiable offer on your home, in other words, it has to be a real contract, then you're at least, in, you know, depending on the situation, five to ten percent overpriced. But still, go back to what she said and do the price changes ahead of time and write those in. Maybe even write those into your listing contract as an addendum to every listing you take. These will avoid the future conversations that are, generally speaking, uncomfortable. So how do you, let, let's talk about that. How do you go about doing that? Mm-hmm. What's your schedule to go about after uh, price adjustments? It's, house has been for sale for 30 days. They'll do the automatic adjustment. What happens after that? Well, uh, you know, again, it, it all goes back to setting expectations up front. Um, I'm not making the market. I'm interpreting the market, and that's something that I have to translate. I don't want at any given time a seller come back and say, well, you told me you can sell the house for that. I'm not the buyer, um, and I'm not the market. And so when we do the price reduction, quite naturally, um, we will see an increase in showings, we will see an increase in inquiries about the home. So it will happen. Um, it, it's just don't be afraid to ask for the reduction and ask for it when you have an opportunity to have a sit down and have a conversation, which is at the listing appointment. If if you feel like you can't have that conversation right there, it's even harder to make that phone call on day 30, 40, or 50 and ask for a price reduction and ask for a specific dollar amount. It's a lot easier right. when you cover it on day one. When they still love you, right? Yes. <laughs> During the honeymoon phase. <laughs> and, and, and again, exactly. and, and I mean, Danny's saying, price, Danny's saying price reduction. I suspect when she's talking to sellers, she does say repositioning the house in the market. It says the same thing. But whenever you bring up the word money or price to most people, it makes their skin crawl, and they'll react mm-hmm. negatively out of stress. So opposed to saying reduce price, they reposition the house on the market. I know that's something that your coach works with you on. Um, all right, let's talk about lead yeah. generation. Um, you know, you talked a lot about marketing, but what actually, and I understand that there's marketing to get the phone to ring to generate listing leads, and maybe there's marketing to basically generate buyer leads. There's just marketing in general. But when, if you could only do 
three things. Let's cut through it. If you can only do three things, Danny, to generate mm-hmm. listing leads, if if your coach sets a goal for you, that in or you set a goal with your coach rather, that in the next say 30 days, uh, that you're going to take. I don't know, 20 listings. What's the most number of listings you've ever taken in a month? I bet you've taken more than 20 in a month, haven't you? <laughs> in a month? Um, it was about 130 in a month. Oh, with new construction, that's cheating. Yes. What have, how many resales have you taken in a month? Um, <laughs> nice try. How many resales have you taken in a month? Um, I, think it was, uh, I think it was about 9 or 10 in a month. Yeah, it was pretty, okay. pretty much so, two, two and a half a week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your coach Robert and you set a goal that yeah. in you know next 30 days you're going to yeah. take 20 listings, twice the number of resale listings you've ever taken before. And believe me, I love new construction too, but just for the sake of this mental exercise, and you can only mm-hmm. do three things to go after those listings. The three things okay. that you know will have the biggest impact on you accomplishing that really lofty goal. What would they be? Um, online advertising, um, past clients, um, open houses. Okay, I'm going to get in the weeds on all three of those things. How are you mm-hmm. going to work your past clients? What specifically are you going to do? Well, for me, past clients are walk-in testimonials. So um, I'll, I'll just pick up the phone, invite them to coffee, um, sit down, meet with them, chat with them, how they're doing. Again, remember, my, a lot of my business is military, so they have that natural cycle. Military family, they know each other. They know who is coming in. They know who is rolling out. Um, they they have neighbors that are in the military. They keep talking to each other. There are units. There is somebody who has to downsize, has to move. Um, so I will definitely ask for a referral. Okay, so that's number one, and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You could even sell a house to somebody, mark it on your calendar that 36 months from now they're going to be wanting to sell the house, and that's a really great strategy for sure. Centers of Influence and Past Clients, guys, are always the low-hanging fruit and every one of your money trees. Never forget that. Um, number two, uh, you said, mm-hmm. well, you said number one, but I'm asking it secondarily. You said Internet marketing. Let's get in the weeds. Yeah. What specifically are you talking about? And, and give as much detail on that as possible because otherwise the listeners will say, you know, we didn't talk enough about that particular widget. So what are you doing to generate leads online? Okay. The National Association of Realtors, the survey they released in uh, 2015, says that the average buyer starts looking online three weeks prior to picking up the phone and calling a realtor. So for three weeks, somebody is floating out there looking at homes, picking up the phone, driving by, uh, taking a look at homes, talk to neighbors, talk to friends. So I want to be heavily present. I want to be the premier agent on Zillow and Trulia, even though they have never sold a house before. Everybody values their opinion. Um, Pretty much everybody nowadays has a Facebook account. I want to place ads. I want to place my listings. I pay for it, and I want to be in their face every day they go online. We have military websites. I want to be their number one to-go girl when they're thinking about buying or selling real estate. So how, many, um, how much business mm-hmm. – well, okay, so first of all, how much – do you mind if I ask how much you spend on Internet marketing? If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. No, that's fine. If you fine. don't want to talk um, about it, I spend per month about $400. $400 total? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just an online All right. marketing, well, yeah. 
I mean, there you go. So, so for those of you who are thinking that she's spending tens of thousands of dollars on internet lead generation, I mean, there you go. It's four hundred bucks. Okay, so we're gonna. So, it, but it sounds like it's four hundred dollars. You hold very accountable to results based on what you're saying. Yeah. You, you know what works. Yeah, got it. All right, and the and the third thing you said, what was it? Um, the third thing was open houses. Open houses. Talk about that. Yeah. What do you do to pull buyer or pull seller leads out of open houses? Well, um, I, I'm in the blessed situation that I do represent the builder as well. So naturally, I have my resales and I have my, my new builds. Um, it, is, it is a fact that uh, before somebody puts their home on the market to sell and they stay within the city, they go and they attend open houses. They want to see what's out there before they even getting serious about getting pre-approved for a new home and thinking about, well, what am I going to do with my existing home? Am I going to sell it? Am I going to rent it? Um, so if if you treat those people right, you might be able to get both sides of the transactions. 70% of all the people walking into your open house, 70% have to sell a house first. So if you know That's what you're incredible. doing, yeah. If you yeah. know what you're well, doing, let's, you're let's able to get them both let's, sides. Denny, let's hover there. Hmm. So here's I also heard her say. She says open house, guys, but I want our listeners uh, to see the, the subtle genius in what she's saying. She's not just saying hold an open house and sit there on your computer and play, you know, Facebook games while people meander in and out. She does an open house, or she has one of the agents that works with her as part of her team do an open house, and they are trained to ask specific questions to try to, you know, obviously generate, A, a buyer lead, but also she knows that 70% of the time those people that are presenting as buyers also have houses to sell. Now, that mm -hmm. is a script that you guys should all master. And, for example, when you get a lead from, say, 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM or you get somebody calling in or you even get an Internet lead, a lot of agents make the mistake of essentially not asking almost one of the very first questions if they're sellers. And the way to go about it, guys, is you, you know, you're, say you meet somebody, you're just establishing rapport, you're exchanging names and contact information, and then you just, you just hit them with a question. By the way, which house in the neighborhood are you thinking about selling? Or how soon do you need to put your house for sale? Don't ask if they have a house to sell. Don't give them a whole bunch of information and act, ask as a public address system before you really get to the heart of their motivation, whether they have something to sell, which is typically the way agents do it. You won't get the lead. Ask that as one of the first questions, and you'll find that people are going to answer truthfully, and they're going to give you the information. They're going to then set a listing appointment with you, and then you have a new client. Did I oversimplify it, Danny, or is that pretty much how it works? That's pretty much how it works, yes, Tim. <laughs> I mean, it's all questions <laughs> at the end of the day, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it yeah, is. It and is. and you'll be amazed what they share with you when you just ask, hey, when are, you, when are you planning on moving? They tell you everything you need to know. That's wonderful. So, Danny, you are a rock star, a superstar, and I sincerely... Uh, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate uh, you choosing us to be your coaches. I know your coach, Robert, loves you. Um, and uh, congratulations on, you know, selling personally 100 houses and as a group selling 150 houses last year. What are you guys Thank pacing you. to do this year? Do you, do you know? Are, are, you, are, you look, are you wanting to keep it the same? Are you looking to grow? What are your expectations for this year? Um, we're, we're planning on doubling it. Do well, why not, right? Go big or go home. <laughs> that's, very, yep. that's very Texas yep. of you. <laughs> so, Danny, is there anything else you so is there anything else you'd like to say to all the listeners? Anyone like you know you're in a position now uh, where people are looking up to you. You're in a position now where you actually are um, 
you know, you're a role model for a lot of folks that want to be successful like you've become. And a lot of people think, and maybe you thought this way too, that in order to become successful, it's a secret handshake. It's a gaming of something. It's a, you know, it's some little secret insight deal. You know, whereas obviously you've learned and you said it, it's lots of hard work. It's repetitious boredom. It's doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. But is there anything else you'd like to say to, you know, the 100,000 agents who are listening and replay or listening live right now? Yes, I, I would love to take the opportunity, thank you so much, Tim, to um, address just a few things. Number one, don't be afraid to get a coach. Um, $1,000 a month might sound like a lot, but I promise you it is worth every penny. You will never, ever spend that money in any better way than in getting a coach. Get a mentor as well, uh, an agent that you are looking up to. Ask for advice and opinion. Ask to be shadowed. Share your marketing material. We might look like somebody that doesn't want to talk to you, Um we will. We would love to teach you and share our failure and our success with you. We want you to grow. And, you know, being being with Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching really was the best decision I made for my business, really was. Well, I wasn't expecting you to say all those nice, gratuitous things, but I certainly appreciate it. So, so Danny, <laughs> listen, thank you, thank you again sincerely for being a coaching client. It's truly our honor. Uh, to be your coach. It's wonderful to see you having so much success. I, my heart is always uh, more in alignment with people like you, to be honest, because you're selling in a normal market. You know, you have to know your skills. You have to know, you have to have time management. You have to know how to deal with sellers and buyers in complicated situations. It's the nature of the market. And, you know, agents, you guys on the coast, the sand states, who are spoiled by hot sellers markets, and maybe you've never sold in a normal market, um, you know, a normal market might be coming your way soon, so you might want to consider uh, perfecting the skill set or at least being on the path to perfect the skill set that's really necessary. And you know the nice thing, listeners, is that when you, are, when you have the mindset of, uh, that Danny has, and, and guys, you can hear that she's being very deliberate in what she said. You know, she's German. She had to learn English. She Think about the obstacles she had to overcome to be as successful as she has. But one of the things that gives you everlasting confidence is your skill set. You know, that's one thing, guys, and when you have a killer skill set, when you know you can be successful in adverse situations, you know, that is, gives you such an incredible boost, not just, in your, not just in your business and your ability to serve others and make money, but just in life in general. So, Danny, I really sincerely appreciate you being, our, being my co-host, being one of our coaching clients, and being such a superstar in the industry. Listeners, have a fantastic day, and thanks again, Danny. Have a great day, everybody. You too. Thanks, Thanks Danny. for having me. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>